of the Channel Futures podcast, Coffee with Craig and James. I am the editorial director of Channel Futures, Craig Galbraith. Joining me, as always, our resident millennial, our news editor, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. James Anderson. James, how are you? Craig, my guy, you're back, man. Where you been? I know. They, they left me out for a little uh, R&R. It was kind of nice. That's good of them. Uh, well, I'm doing well. Um, I, I had, I mean, I missed you. It was, my IMs were very quiet the last <laughs> week and a half. It was eerie. It, yes, that's that's what I do. Uh, that's how I spend half of my time is uh, IMing you and the rest of the staff. So uh, thanks for thanks for letting that be known to the entire listening audience, which could potentially be 7 billion people in the world. Thank you. Right. Well, they all get to know what good communication skills we both have. Ah, uh, yes. So episode 99, my friend, did you uh, feel we'd get here? We did. We're here. I never, I never thought it would happen. I mean, this is probably, what is this, number 11 for me? Uh, I think yeah. I started on 88. So, uh, yeah, I've done about one-tenth of the, artic- of, the, uh, of the podcast you've done. So, don't know if I can claim it as much of a milestone, but uh, the team has really come a long way here. Uh, nice work. I see, I mean, this whole 99 bottles of beer on the wall. I mean, I, I see how that uh, is indicative of this milestone, but is it also kind of indicative of the road trip that you just took? Well, it's probably more indicative of the kitsch that we tend to bring our audience on a weekly basis. Uh, I can assure you that we will get back to a song from 1999, uh, corresponding with the 99th podcast, uh, at the end of this cast. But uh, yeah, on my road trip, uh, I'd, I'd love to tell you all about it. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, what? Well, first off, Craig, I feel yeah. like, you know what I feel coming on here? I feel a personal dive can i say that i know it's like kevin's thing but can we keep that in there well we you kind of just did so it'd be more trouble to go back and edit it out than what it's worth but uh might i give you you know maybe a six out of ten on that a digi however our digital services robot mascot uh he just gave you i don't know if you noticed but that was a two thumbs down, even though it sounds exactly like he sounds every time he's on the show. It actually feels good because I know that guy gave Kevin a whole lot of trouble. And uh, <laughs> I, haven't, I really haven't been given too much of an, of an issue from, from that guy. So it's nice to join in Kevin's suffering. Well, he's been really busy. Digi, I'm referring to here as the official chat bot on the Channel Partners Conference and Expo website. I don't know if you've noticed, if you go to it, uh, Digi pops up and, and asks if you've got any questions. So so be sure and check that out. He's been pretty busy. Indeed. So what's the this, what's this story, Craig? Where'd you go? How was it? Uh, what happened? 
Yeah, so it was great. Uh, you may have noticed a little bit of a time lapse in between our regular podcasts here. We've been knocking them out pretty frequently with uh, two or three weeks in between this one and the last one. Uh, yeah, I went up to uh, the state of Washington, my home state, and visited my parents. It was their 50th wedding anniversary, so we had a fabulous time with them celebrating. And uh, it was good. Melissa, my wife, and uh, Louie the dog all went up there. It was a road trip. Uh, driving up about, uh, well, it's about 20 hours of driving time. So naturally with stops, it took us a little longer. So it was quite the haul, but it's the second time we've done it now. We did it uh, right uh, sort of before COVID hit last year. So we know that uh, know that road going up there pretty well. Yeah, did you uh, grow up on road trips? A little bit. You know, we went down to visit my relatives in California. They lived in the Bay Area. Uh, and that was a full day trip. Every year we went down there, occasionally twice a year. Uh, so we did that. We went to the Oregon coast a lot uh, during spring break, and that was a good six-hour drive for us at the time. So, yeah, yeah, we did a lot of that. How about you? Maybe my memories are fuzzy, but I'm pretty sure I recall driving, my family driving from Michigan all the way up the California coast, which now that I think about it, that's a lot of driving and would explain a lot of my, you know, I guess my personality defects at this point. That was a long <laughs> time to be in a car with my siblings. That must have yeah. impacted me. We must yeah. have flown halfway. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Yeah, those road trips are fun, but uh, yeah, they can be a little uh, little taxing. I remember getting out of the car naturally because it was only like three days ago and trying to learn how to walk again, you know, after you've uh, been in there for hours at a time. But uh, no, it's a good time. And uh, I enjoyed me a good road trip. Just uh, not one that long again for a little a little while anyway. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, James, since I was uh, out of the office for a good week and a half, uh, what what did I miss? This guy. What did you miss? What'd you miss? Only the biggest awards reveal the channel has ever seen, Craig. Craig, we announced the winners of the MSP 501, some of the top managed IT services providers in the world. You, you missed that, buddy. I feel a Joey Lawrence coming on. Whoa. You probably don't even know how that no, is. No, I do not. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was absolutely amazing, the response we got to that MSP 501. Uh, and the fact that uh, I wasn't here uh, for it, I, I don't know whether to feel good about that, that you guys like carried on and, and got some amazing traffic to the website uh, while I was gone, or if I should feel worried that you did all that without me. I, I don't know. I did decided to do like a little video side project. Uh, I did sort of a a vlog on the website talking about my experiences watching uh, the bachelor tv show so I, I figured that would be uh super apropos for our audience um hope you don't <laughs> mind that i kind of took that editorial decision on my own and and so that's out there now wow i would have never expected that that is fantastic you know the the 501 awards uh, harken me back to some of the great moments in oscar history I mean, you think about to Sally Field when she's up there saying, you like me, you really like me. And when Jack Palance, remember, he did the push-ups, uh, he got down there when he won for a Best Supporting Actor, I think it was, for City Slickers. Uh, just, you know, the 501 reveal rivals that. Well, what do you think? I think those are some interesting references. Now, I feel a little bad for uh, not being aware of certain awards shows, uh, so I, I guess we're kind of even now. Yeah, you're never aware of anything. I mean, jeez. 
Well, that's uh, that's a little bit of a low blow, Craig, but I but I uh, I think I deserve it for uh, haranguing you at mm. first for not being aware of the MSP 501. So I can fill you in on uh, on what the results were if you want. Oh, I, I would love that. I mean, I do know. I'm not that totally out of the loop. I, I am aware of what's going on, uh, despite what you say. But uh, yes, please fill our loyal casties in on the results if they haven't heard them. So for the casties, we had an all-star lineup. And, uh, you know, I could go through every single 501 member, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, what you might want to know is that Arizona-based Insight Enterprises took home the top spot in its second ever appearance on this list. And you can find the other winners on our flagship website, <laughs> channelfutures.com. Uh, yeah, and in fact, Insight was number one two years in a row. That is an impressive feat. Uh, maybe you'll someday get to be number one on this podcast uh, two years in a row, but uh, doubtful, at least as long as I'm on it. Yeah, you know, I think I started off at number four, and I think I've maybe worked my way up to number three. Um, yes, behind me and Digi at this point. Indeed. Yeah, and he's not even here very often. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, what's worth noting, uh, sort of the next step in this whole 501 process, uh, first we'll be releasing all kinds of different uh, lists throughout the summer. We'll be looking at the top MSPs by region, uh, the top cloud MSPs, fastest growing, a bunch of other lists that'll be coming out. So we're going to be continuing to do a deep dive on that analysis. So looking forward to that. And of course, it all culminates in the big 501 Awards Gala at, at the Channel Partners Conference and Expo Homecoming Show, November 1st through the 4th in Las Vegas. Ooh, we should talk about that more. What's kind of the 500-foot overview of that? Well, a 501-foot, uh, maybe. I don't oh, even wow. know if that's a thing. but um, I am glad you asked, James. Uh, the agenda for our fall show is quickly filling up, full of, might you say, juicy mix of networking education and fun and in fact uh, since our last podcast as mentioned on our last podcast that it would probably be happening and they didn't make a liar out of me there is uh, an agenda now posted on the channel partners conference and expo website not completely full yet but it does give you a pretty good idea of some of the fantastic content we have on on tap so uh, we're going to be talking about that here in what they call the b block in the business that'll be after our first interview yeah we're pretty high tech we've uh, we've got a b block that's not everyone mm. can say that no so craig let me uh let me segue this next interview here here how do you feel about ccas well i'm a big fan of ccas i think all of us are a big fan uh, of anything that makes our uh, contact centers that we call into uh periodically more of a customer friendly experience probably gave you more than you wanted there Kind of no, an, that a, that was that was diplomatic and wise, and mm -hmm. I think you're going to feel even better about CCAS oh. in a little bit after we get done talking to Ken Presti of Avant, who's going to shed some very interesting light on the state of CCAS adoption. What do you say we get into this, Craig? Nice, let's do it. Eager to hear about uh, the Avant Analytics report, and we are joined by Ken Presti the Vice President of Research and Analytics for Avant. And uh, Ken's here today to talk about a CCAS report that he recently authored for Avant. Ken, great to have you on the podcast today. How are you? Oh, doing great. Glad to be here with you guys. Uh, very happy to talk about the new CCAS report. 
Yeah, we're excited. And I, I know you've done many of these uh, 612 reports. Talk yeah. a little bit about the background of these before we get into this a little bit. Okay, so real brief, the way this all came to be was I've been with Avant for almost two years exactly now, mm -hmm. and they were talking about the idea of doing some market research around the data that they generate in the normal course of business. So we ended up having this discussion. That discussion actually led to me joining the company, um, and one of the things that we do is called the 612 report, and basically what this is is it's market research that's designed to help customers assess the the value of the featured technology over the next six to 12 months. So we've done SD-WAN, we've done security, we've done UCAS, and now we're doing CCAS. Um, and it looks at what we've got in terms of data inside, in terms of, you know, what's driving the uptake? What are the key carebouts? What are the main things that the customers are trying to solve as a result of going to this technology? Uh, and we bring this all together in a way that enterprise decision makers can can use to help drive that decision. There's a lot of marketing stuff out there, and there's also a lot of engineering level stuff out there. What the 612 report does is it hits that sweet spot it was applicable to the needs of the people who are running the budgets. They probably have, you know, some knowledge of technology, but they're not engineers. And this helps them to migrate along their technology path and to revise that path based on their specific needs. All right, Ken, so let's get right into it. Uh, you talked about the drivers, uh, contact center, CCAS, uh, huge with this uh, audience here on our podcast. So what are some of the main drivers you discovered for uh, CCAS adoption? Well, one of the things that, you know, I hate to keep going back to everything leading back to COVID, but obviously COVID had a huge impact here because, you know, going back, what, 12, 16 months ago, everyone was heading for the hills, everyone was going home, um, and you saw a huge uptake both in both UCAS and CCAS as a result of that. And also what's going on is they began to develop a healthy new respect for the technology. So, you know, along those lines, you know, you've got artificial intelligence out there um, and different features associated with that and different ways of hooking into CRM systems that are really raising the stakes for a customer calls and customer contacts and really raising the level for what the customers expect from companies when they have to call in for support or with any kind of inquiry uh, or the ability to come in via text or basically any way they want to. That's great. Uh, Ken, you also touched on uh, hybrid workforces. So I believe the report stipulates that there's projected to be sort of a 60-40 split with about 60% of companies and I presumably um, contact center agents mm -hmm. going back to the office and another 40% staying home. Um, what sort of insights do you have around that? Was that a surprising number? No, I had a feeling that once we were at the point where people had to work from home and now management is getting used to it and management is running their own numbers um, and finding out that people really are working at home and in many respects they're working more efficiently at home because they don't have you know certainly they've got some you know personal distractions available to them as well but you don't have the commute on either end you don't have the same water cooler aspects going on so companies have become a lot more comfortable with the idea of people working 
being at home than they once were. I know, you know, uh, we had discussed at Avant, you know, different people that we might hire for different roles. Oh, well, we'd like to have them near the home office in Chicago. Now, you know, we get to the point where we're talking about people uh, that we may hire and, and location is nowhere near the same level of issue that it once was or even or even a consideration. But here's the thing that really jumped out at me with respect to workforce impacts. So let's say you guys are running a, uh, a contact center and you're hiring newbies. So the contact center, by, by definition, has both the vocal side, the voice side of the equation, and also the text side of the equation. You're bringing in newbies. You want them on the voice side or do you want them on the text side? Hmm. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm voice I'm gonna say I'm going to say tech side. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. There, it's 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 a debate, and we and we don't know really which was going to end up being the preferred model because here's how it breaks down. Voice requires people to think on their feet, so they're newbies, and you kind of want to limit their ability to to go the wrong way if they're thinking on their feet and and speaking and you know just speaking on the phone sort of thing. So there's a school of thought that says, don't put them on the phone, put them in text, okay? You can put them in text, they can have a little bit more time to think about their response, um, and also they can copy paste and put that into the window as well. Okay, so that's one school of thought and it does make sense. There's another school of thought that says, oh no, you don't want them writing because the written word has life that the spoken word does not at least under most circumstances so if they're in if they're in their texting then there is a word for word you know transcript basically of what it is that they said and companies are concerned that they can be held more accountable so that school of thought says no let them be on the phone let them talk all they want let's make sure that they have you know experience under their belt before we move them into the other direction so it'll be interesting to see over the long haul which turns out to be kind of the standard practice. But right now, there's different people who have different opinions on, on which way to start your newbies. Yeah, see, Ken, here I, I thought you said tech. That's what uh, threw me off. Oh, that's, I'm sorry. That's what okay. I'm going to say is my excuse for that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you were right either way. So, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. But <laughs> so, no, that's, that, that's a very interesting point, I thought, particularly about location uh, and how that has changed for all kinds of businesses out there, uh, certainly. Yeah, it truly um, has. Yeah, let's talk about uh, security. James poured over the report and, and let me know that uh, security was a pretty important component in the CCAS conversation that you bring up in it. Uh, what are some of the key questions the partners need to ask and, and answer, for that matter, about security when uh, selling CCAS? Well, security has to be interwoven into basically everything we do nowadays, and that has gotten to be a platitude. But especially in a CCAS environment where you've got people working from different locations, kind of a work from anywhere thing, you've got to be able to deal with security on both sides of the D mark, if you will. You've got, you know, some infrastructure is going to belong to a cloud provider. Some infrastructure may belong to the, the, uh, the employer. Some infrastructure may belong to the employee. So they've got to be very prescriptive in terms of how they go about doing this. And, and it comes down to some of the basic 
basic blocking and tackling of security and to look at the attack surfaces and where what it is that they need to have covered and how to go, go you know best go about doing that and who's going to be handling that aspect of it is the trusted advisor in a position to handle the security piece do you need a vc so to come in and help with that remember in a lot of these cases they're going to be you know especially in a situation where it goes beyond basic tech support and goes into more of a sales motion there's going to be situations where credit cards are going to be read and different types of things that are clearly exploitable or in the case of healthcare certain types of PII you know personal information may be shared on that line that's going to have to be um properly protected or in that text discourse, however it is. Um, but you've really got to be able to demonstrate the security of it, both internally and externally over the course of time, because, you know, you, you can't swing your arm these days without hitting a news story about some other breach that's going on. And a lot of it comes down to, you know, that basic blocking and tackling of having all the pieces in place because all it takes is one gap to cause a problem. It's a really good point. Ken, I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into this debate between multi-channel and omni-channel. And, and you know, many of us might think those are the same word. Could you talk about the difference there, uh, what the difference is, why it matters, and uh, why that came up in your report? So it's one of those things that is is part of the dialogue of the sales motion. So multi-channel is the ability to provide customer service across a variety of channels, uh, voice, text, and, and, and chatbot. Omnichannel is the ability to move communications from any one of those things to the other. And the two tend to get conflated fairly easily. A lot of people, you know, cross them up. But, you know, the, the, the an omnichannel contact center can deliver these functions across what's basically an, an integrated queue. I had my first personal experience with that not that long ago. I had a glitch going on with my, my mobile phone service. I had gone in to I had actually dialed an 800 number they they basically routed me out to a text discussion basically to from their perspective they were probably trying to figure out first is this something that we need to actually put a warm body on or is this something that the chatbots can handle it turned out that what I had definitely required discussion so I went from a chatbot to what I think was a human being on the other side in the chat and then because of the depth of conversation that we were going to have to have, uh, I then wanted to go to voice. So I requested to go to voice. So then that got moved to voice. The system instigated a call to me and everything that they needed to know that had already been shared moved along with it. So that is rapidly becoming a new standard in customer service as opposed to talking to three different people and having to tell the same story three different times because they weren't on the line for the first two. Yeah, it could certainly be a complicated process, a lot of things to uh, work out there. Yeah, um, and it was interesting because I was working on this report when that happened, and it was you very rarely in this business get a chance to really test out the the concept that you're working with in real time. So this was this was an interesting little experience for me, just in terms of you know fixing a glitch in my cell phone. You were your own real life case study, if you will. I was, I was, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, hey, Ken, let's say a partner in our audience sits down with this report. Uh, what's uh, one or two things that they immediately could take away from that and apply to their businesses? So companies are most interested in CCAS proposals as you're coming up on the time when the existing contracts are reaching end of term. So it becomes really important for trusted advisors, channel partners to be very much aware of those timeframes and to be able to approach the customer at a time when there is a sufficient amount of time to deal with, you know, whatever offer they want to put on the table. So that's an important aspect of it because timing, I, I was going to say timing is everything, but nothing is ever really everything, but timing is an important aspect of it. You're also, you talked about the 60-40 mix of office versus remote respectively, and I think that's going to be something that's going to play into the decision process a lot. This is becoming the kind of thing that customers are just expecting. So it's going to be more important just in terms of maintaining your customer SAT scores moving forward that your uh, contact centers are able to provide the type of service that people are coming to expect. I don't want to have the same conversation multiple times, and I really want you to have a pretty good understanding of my file and what my experience has been um, with your companies up until now. That kind of thing is going to be, and I'm, you know, this is my own prediction here, but there was a time when you'd go on these systems, and the first thing you'd hear is, your call is important to us. Okay. Well, those are empty words. Everybody hears that. But when you're able to back that up with the ability for your call center agents or your contact center agents to get into the CRM system and see exactly what's going on with your account, to know what it is that you shared with the people that you've spoken to previously on the same issue, those types of things are what demonstrates the extent to which you value your customers. It's not the empty word of, words of your call is important to us. This is where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, I think everybody can uh, apply a contact center experience to their life uh, for sure. Hey, Ken, uh, before we let you go, I uh, just wanted to raise the point that you indeed have your own podcast and uh, would love to have you to the listeners here today where they can uh, catch up with you on the air, so to speak. Ah, I appreciate that very much. Yes, it's called Avant Technology Insights with Ken Presti. We're available on Apple, Google, and Spotify. It is a 20 to 30 minute interview format, much like this one. It is aimed primarily at the enterprise decision makers who are you know, looking at different technologies and trying to figure out how to get the best out of their technology dollar. Um, so we are 60 episodes deep. We've covered mm -hmm. a lot in the area of security. We've done a lot in UCAS and a lot of CCAS. Um, so there's plenty of information there for you get, for your listeners to to dig through and to get a better sense of all of these technologies. Awesome, Ken. Thanks so much for joining us today. Gentlemen, I really appreciate it. Had a great time. Great conversation. Thanks so much, Ken. Thank you, guys. Well, that was some pretty good stuff from Ken there, Craig. Uh, he's a he's what we call a sage industry expert. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, you know, contact center. I'm glad they did the the report on this one. Lots of good stuff coming out of Ken and his team at Avant Analytics. Uh, looking forward to more reports from them 
uh, in the very near future, I'm sure. Indeed. Well, Craig, I'd, I'd love to know. I mean, we've done an introduction. We've done our first interview. Um, in your first week back, you know, how how is your transition back into work going? How are you feeling? Well, I'm glad, first of all, that you're keeping tabs on what we've done so far on the pad, podcast. Uh, extremely well done. Yeah. So vacation, you know, it's uh, you make it sound like I was gone for a year, not gone that long. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's the regular stuff. You come back, you've got uh, about oodles of email to go through. That's an official term. But I, I did try and keep up with it as I as I went through. So I didn't have a couple thousand in my inbox. I got rid, rid of most of the junk and anything you sent me uh, while I was on vacation. Um <laughs> And uh, I don't know, it's just getting back into the swing of things. You know, you got to start getting up early again and, and so on and so forth. But it was nice to sleep in, nice to nice to get away for a little bit. And I'm, I'm glad to have you back, my man. Yeah. Oh, and of um, course, the, there's the, the, the added work that is sort of there, especially when you come back to a four-day week to be able to get some of that done, pack it in. But there's really nothing like a four-day week, that, that return. That's yeah. it's nice to come back. I know you only got to deal with, uh, you know, four days of, of craziness. So, indeed. So, Craig, let's uh, let's talk about this agenda that you teased a little bit earlier on this uh, mm -hmm. Channel Partners homecoming agenda. What are we what are we dealing with this fall? Well, we've got uh, it, first of all, we've got to bring up the fact that we've got our brand new MSP Summit co-located with uh, Channel Partners Conference and Expo. So Monday, November 1st, that's previously been sort of what we call our pre-con day. But Monday the 1st uh, will be entirely dedicated to our MSP community friends. So uh, we've got programming lined up for them, which includes an introductory keynote. Then we're going to have a bunch of breakout sessions for MSPs. Uh, I think that they're really going to want to take advantage of this and then hopefully stick around for the MSP 501 Awards Gala that we talked about, uh, which is coming up the night following. What to, what do you make of the MSP Summit? Are you excited for it? I mean, I think it's going to be wonderful. Um, I'm looking yes. forward to uh, making some MSP peeps. I'm more of a, a guy with kind of agent peeps. I've got agent peeps, but I want to get these MSP peeps yeah. and, uh, or, or as I call them, MS peeps. <laughs> and um, I think it's going to be great. I hope I get invited. Yeah. Am I invited, Craig? I'm looking into it. It depends on uh, it depends on what you have to say about me and, and my friend Digi uh, going forward. But uh, so far, so far, you're riding, you're straddling the line at this point. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, then we're going to have our, our traditional first time attendee reception uh, that Monday night. That's going to be open to get this, James, all first time attendees. But you do need to register for that when you go in to register for the event because it always fills up fast. Uh, what, what do you think about that? You love the uh, first time attendee reception? Oh, I love it. And I love the detail you put into that. And it seems like a very intuitive judgment of what that event's going to be like. Uh, yeah, certainly the people who are there for the first time can can attend. And and I will say, you know, I, I always I typically am the one that gets assigned to do the article, write the article oh, yeah. on, on that event. Always a good time. People are very friendly. Always a positive time. I remember this one guy that he found out that I was interested in, in reading Dostoevsky and he would not stop bringing mm. up Dostoevsky. Do you, you did you ever meet that guy? Dostoevsky or the guy? <laughs> the, the, the guy that read <laughs> Dostoevsky. No, I, I, I didn't I didn't meet him. I, I'm sorry that I wasn't uh, there for that uh, conversation, perhaps to uh, be your wingman in that case. <laughs> yeah, I kind of needed someone to rescue me, but that's OK. <laughs> no offense if you're listening, Dostoevsky fan. Uh, we, we love uh, good literature here at the Coffee with Craig and James podcast. 
Oh, it's classic. Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, looking over the rest of, of what's on the agenda so far, you know, we got keynotes from Jay McBain taking a look at market trends. Uh, obviously, Jay, a big fan of our brand and, and we being a big fan of his, I'll look forward to hearing what he has to say, especially uh, since we haven't had a live event here now, aside from virtual here in a couple of years. So he's going to have a lot of good things to say there. Of course, we're going to have our expo hall, the opening reception to go along with that. What else have we got here? You Greg, wanna... are, uh, are you just reading the uh, the agenda on the website? Uh, well, well, yeah, pretty much. Uh, remember, I just got back from vacation, and uh, you sort of had the idea for what we're going to talk about on this podcast, so I'm, I'm not really well prepared. You just came to me with it like 10 minutes ago. That's uh, fair. You are a trooper, fair. my friend. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, just a few things there. We won't bore you by reading through the rest of the agenda, but we will promise to drill down on a few more things on the next podcast, uh, which happens to be our 100th podcast, James. And, and do you mind if I, I tee myself up there uh, just a little bit? Because we got, we got some big things coming up for the 100th. Yeah, proceed with the self-alley-oop. You know, I tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to save that for the C block of this podcast. But I, I will tell you, this is a great tease. We're, we're going to have uh, some folks on uh, that have never been on this podcast before uh, talking about the podcast uh, it's going to be good stuff. So so stay tuned for that coming up after our next interview. Well, you're keeping me in suspense. I'm I'm very intrigued about this. You're sort of like teasing a tease. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing because you don't even know about it. So yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's next on the uh, agenda here since I don't uh, seem to be prepared? <laughs> I say you introduce our next interviewee. Uh, yeah, so we got a nice little coup here, James. We got John Groves, who is the CEO of Logicalis, uh, big VAR and MSP, who's going to be on the show talking about uh, trends in the industry. But not only that, uh, it's interesting. He came on to the job like right as COVID was kicking in a uh, year ago, March. So his perspective there on the past year in the industry is going to be uh, phenomenal. I can promise you that. And the reason I'm having to tell you all of this in advance is because uh, you were actually uh, taking some time off when we did this interview. So, you know, it's, it's going to be new to you as well. Yeah, it's nice to have that mutual experience with you, Craig, or should I say mutual non-experience. Sounds good. Let's do this. All right. Really pleased to welcome into the coffee house, John Groves. John is the CEO of Logicalis, a big IT service provider. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Craig. It's good to be here. Uh, first thing I want to throw out with you is I, I was perusing your LinkedIn page and I thought this was uh, interesting. So you, is it true you have a theology degree? And if that's true, how did you wind up uh, in the channel? <laughs> yeah, I do actually have a theology degree. It's kind of an interesting journey that I was on. Uh, the way I ended up in the channel was really by accident. If you'd asked me early in my career what I wanted to be, it would not have been uh, in technology. But technology was kind of like the mob. It just kept pulling me back in for some reason. Got involved in technology in the Air Force, uh, came out, went to work for American Airlines. Through that time frame, I was working through while in the military, you know, my computer science degree. At American Airlines, it became pretty clear that I was at the tip, the tip of the spear in this industry. Uh, went to Cisco in 95, got my CCIE in 95. And so the computer science degree uh, began to kind of fade in uh, necessity, so to speak. And so 
I just found it as an opportunity where I was in my life, my career, I could study something that maybe uh, didn't necessarily have to translate to me getting a job. And so uh, theology, my father was uh, a pastor in a church. I've always been very interested in that. And I, it seemed like a, a good way to spend at least some of my time. So that's how, that's how I got there. But wow, I've been in the channel and it's, it's uh, from, from that technology uh, experience early in the career. Well, that's interesting. I, there have been very few people I've ever talked to who uh, came out of school and said, uh, I'm going to jump into the channel. It's what I want to do. So that's uh, that's interesting. <laughs> so, John, let's talk a little bit about uh, the past year. Uh, I really look forward to actually the time when we can stop talking about COVID and we're, we're mm -hmm. almost there. Uh, but now that we're coming out of it, uh, you actually started as CEO of Logicalis, if I recall, right before the pandemic hit. What's uh, what's it been like? What was that jump for you, uh, just jumping into the job at that time? Yeah, I, I started questioning my ability to time things when that happened. Uh, <laughs> it was not necessarily the greatest uh, time to start. You know, one of the things that um, is really important to me is uh, to create a people culture. And it's very difficult to do in this remote kind of world that we've lived in and worked through. So I would say that was the negative part of COVID. Actually, oddly, though, you know, honestly, Craig, there was a positive thing that happened in COVID as well. And, and it gelled us together as an organization real quickly. We all knew that we were in the middle of something that was going to require a, a cohesive, united effort to come through. And I think that uh, what it really did was it solidified uh, the, the team around me. Uh, we articulated pretty early on our strategy and what we were going to do around COVID uh, without really understanding the overarching impact of uh, you know this self-induced shutdown. Uh, we didn't know whether our customers were going to be there or not. Um, we didn't ha have any idea of what this would impact on their, their buying cycles. We just knew that we were going to have some level of impact and couldn't really qualify or quantify what that was. So we communicated, you know, our overarching strategy to the, the company. One of those was we're, we're going to do the best we can to come through this without laying people off. We put in place a what we finally called a circuit breaker plan, if, for lack of a better description, where it was kind of an if-then-else situation. If this amount of gross profit drops to this amount, here's the, here's the mechanisms that we're going to employ inside the organization to bolster up the the the, the, the company, uh, that that circuit breaker plan had five breakers. The last being obviously the most egregious, which would require a layoff. And I have to say, the team did a phenomenal job. And our sales teams uh, really took it personal that they were going to do everything they could in this new selling environment to underpin and support the company. All of our employees. Were, were on point and we only had to institute the first circuit breaker and we were able to come through uh, controlling expenses and things of that nature and really actually put up a, a good year in, in the in the face of COVID. So really proud of the team and what it really did for, for me was uh, gave me an opportunity to, to lead through something that just wasn't the norm for the, the organization. And so that they, I think it was good for us as a, as a team to really a rally around with me coming in right out of the gates. It, it just, it, I think, did more for us than than we could have anticipated. So I'm, I'm again, I'm incredibly pleased with the the outcome of the year. Well, that teamwork you talk about is great. A lot of companies have had to do that, and I think a lot of folks maybe don't 
uh, think about the strategies uh, that executives like yourself had to employ at that time? You know, it was just as big a challenge for you as it, as it was for anybody else, certainly, and perhaps more so. John, let's talk a little bit about security, just because there have been so many high-profile breaches in the past year, and I mean, I could probably say that for the past week. We at Channel Futures just recently released our quarterly benchmark survey, and one area where we're expecting, or we did expect, a bigger spike was in security sales. But in fact, when we compared security sales in the first quarter of 2021 to the first quarter of 2020, uh, pre-pandemic, Almost half of the people we surveyed said security sales were either unchanged or had actually decreased. Uh, what do you make of that? I mean, I realize we were in a pandemic year, but other mm -hmm. categories didn't necessarily fare as poorly as security did. And with there being so much in the news, I, I was just surprised to see that. You know, I, actually, it's it's interesting. Um, this is kind of the, the season of the haves and the have-nots. Um, you know, our security numbers have been up in the context of COVID. But I think to the broader question that you're, you're asking, I think that security is going through a change. So a lot of the security profiles and secure stance that organizations had taken going into COVID you just don't pivot away from them um, instantaneously to, to adopt some new security stance. It takes time. And I think what you're seeing in the security industry is this shift from the perimeter-based, you know, firewall-based, keep out the bad guys kind of strategy to more, more of the zero trust base, the sassy type of approach where you're, you're really looking at everybody in the, in the organization, what's their rights from an application perspective. And so starting with a zero trust model, that's an architectural shift inside of security. And I think it's something that is the next phase that we're going into. Uh, but I still think there's a lot of question about how we do that. Who do we place our bets on from uh, strategic uh, vendors and things of that nature? And I think that's stalled a little bit as we're, we're really getting, coming to grips with this new phase and this new approach and this new architectural approach to, to security. You would think in COVID where all of our employees became, um, you know, decentralized and, uh, you know, the uh, overuse of the internet uh, from a home perspective to really drive uh, our productivity with our employees. I mean, that instantly changed overnight. I think right. what you're seeing though is a reality that a lot of organizations uh, have, have done a lot already to prepare for that. And I think now we're looking at a shift into a different model due to this this new way of working that we're, we're looking at. So I don't know if that fully answered your question, Craig, but I think that's the dynamic at a macro level that's happening in the industry. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. And it's uh, something I hadn't uh, you know really put my finger on. So that helps out a lot, John, thank you. So in that same survey, uh, numbers around recurring revenue overall had a pretty decent uptick. Uh, more than half of the respondents said they had a better first quarter than they had in the year ago quarter. Uh, mm -hmm. I just ask you, uh, what's your outlook now as we emerge from COVID uh, for the full year 2021? Are we going to see some continuing uh, rising numbers? Yeah, I, I really do think we will. I've uh, I, my recurring revenue is probably the fastest growing part of my business. Um, oh. In fact, my I have a, a CAGR growth that that is um, outpacing the the economic forecasted numbers as a whole. I think that there's a couple of things that are happening, and I'll, I'll speak specifically in the managed services part, but the recurring revenue it comes at us in a lot of different angles but you know in the managed services side of the business the value that we bring um, to these organizations 
is moving away from just the element management, the traditional types of services that we've offered, but now providing more telemetry around their applications, their performance, and following the application uh, into a variety of different cloud formats. I think that's where the growth is coming from, and, and I think it will continue to, to develop there. The other thing I would say, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, is there is definitely different buying models. So in my business as a reseller, I buy and then resell uh, products and solutions. And more and more of those are coming to us from the suppliers as a service. And so I think you'll continue to see that that develop and, and, and grow across, candidly, I think across the, the entire industry. Some good news. Good news. I'm sure our partners listening in this uh, to this podcast would be glad to hear that. John, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate the insights uh, into the MSP community. I appreciate it, Craig. All right. Keeping up with, as you would say, our MS peeps. Uh, good interview there with John. Uh, sorry you missed it. Uh, great to get caught up on Logicalis. What things have been like for John's company in the past year, year and a half through COVID, and uh, also some trends in the industry. Good stuff. Yeah, I can't imagine stepping into that role in March 2020. That is a terrifying proposition, but it's it's cool to see how he's uh, helped lead them through that. Yeah, it's uh, hard to imagine for either of us in a CEO role since we can barely keep this podcast uh, running. Yeah, I mean, I can barely keep my uh, my life running. <laughs> um, extend the metaphor. Yeah. So Craig, uh, you had teased a surprise on the B section that you would do something on the C section. Uh, C- so C block. I must have <laughs> C section, Craig. Um, nice. That's a different thing. There are no C sections here. Thank goodness. <laughs> but what is that that you had planned? Yeah. So episode 100 of the podcast, that's going to be our next podcast. I, I got to tell you, James, we've got some clout in this industry and not just this industry, but I've lined up a number of celebrity guests to come on and congratulate us for making it to 100 podcasts. Uh, you're, you're not going to believe who we've got lined up. And of course, I'm not going to tell you because I want I want this to be a surprise to you, who is as well-deserving as our loyal casties to find out who these celebrity guests are uh, when the podcast happens. Are you pumped? Can it please be Kiefer Sutherland? <laughs> I, I didn't know you were such a Kiefer fan. Um, does this go back to his 24 days or Young Guns or what's what's your favorite Kiefer uh, video? Oh, oh, he was in 24. Um, just great name. Uh, my parents would watch 24. I don't know if I've ever watched a Kiefer Sutherland oh uh, flick in my life. Thank you so much for, for calling me out on that. Um, yeah. I, that's exact. That's that's entirely my fault. You, you got to go back and watch watch 24. It's like the greatest. It would, it would like went downhill last year or two, but for like five or six seasons, it was the best thing on TV, in my humble opinion. Big fan. It has a great opening countdown. It's that, that's the one with the count, like the it's the countdown sound, right, for the theme song. It is. Yes, a ticking clock. Yeah. It's good Cla- stuff. Classic trope. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, at that time, it wasn't a classic trope, except for 60 minutes, I guess. Maybe it was sort of a ripoff. Uh, other than that, it was uh, <laughs> it was a bit unusual uh, ahead of its time. All right, buddy. Uh, what do you say we wrap this up? Uh, you like it? I appreciate you uh, rolling with the punches on, uh, on your first day back. And uh, I know I'm a little bit of a chaotic 
podcast hoster. So I took you through uh, kind of a maze here. So I appreciate you rolling with the punches. And I know you're going to surprise me a little bit next podcast. So yes, everything's in order. It's it's all good. As a, as a wise man once said, no shame. No shame. All right. <laughs> If you'd like to check out the archive of Coffee with Craig and James, uh, you can find us pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. Of course, we always enjoy it when you check us out on, as James mentioned earlier in the podcast, our flagship website, channelfutures.com. We, of course, leave you with a classic tune from 1999, celebrating our 99th episode. Oh, that could be another surprise uh, next time. Will we just go with music from the year 2000? Or will we shake it up for our surprise uh, episode? I don't know. It makes me wonder. I've already got some candidates lined up. I'm going to send them over to you. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We will catch you next time for number 100. Peace out, everybody. Can you-